Many of you are aware of a great day to be at church as we begin a brand new series called Drive Through Love. And we are saying at the outset, uh, as we've used to promote this series, to invite you here that relationships are what make life so rich and rewarding and relationships are what make life so painful and difficult. So a couple of questions we're asking all of us to ask ourselves is how can we have good ones and how can we move past bad ones? I want to start this morning as we start these five weeks. I want to start uh, with uh, this idea, this article that was written, uh, compiled. Uh, it, it was an article about how to uh, ensure that you find true love by those who should know. And the author, the compiler, asked children, kids ages 5 to 10, some questions about marriage, love, dating, etc. One question was, uh, how, uh, you know, what's the proper age you should be at when you get married? Judy, age 8, said 84. By that time, you both already finished working and you can be at home and love each other in the bedroom. <laughs> Tommy, age five, said, when I graduate kindergarten, I'm going to go find me a wife. <laughs> Melissa, age 10, was asked about, you know, what do uh, people do on a date? And she said, well, on a first date, they lie to each other. And usually that works to, in order, so they get a second date. Um, there was a youngster that was only seven years old asked um, about, you know, what attra attracts two particular people to find each other, to fall in love. She said, I, I hear that it's mostly about smell. People smell uh, on each other and they like it. I guess that's why uh, deodorant um, is, is so popular. Well, uh, where do these kids get their ideas about love and dating and marriage? They get them from adults who've had lots of practice, and after years and years, were confused and puzzled and mystified by it all. And I know, I know, I know that we are hurt, and some have been burned by love, and you, you had the courage. Uh, maybe you're here by accident today. You're like, <gasps> but um, maybe you came today with some courage because you've been burned by love, and many have. Listen, late yesterday afternoon into, into last night, uh, two experiences diametrically opposed, if you will. I'm, I'm behind you, behind me studying uh, for this, uh, for the sermon at 9.30 and 11, and I'm writing and praying and such, and, and uh, I knew a friend was going to be texting me to come into the building to talk, and I knew what we were going to talk about. We went down this way, and we sat, and he wept, and I prayed over him and held him. Uh, good friend, grown man, and uh, divorce uh, papers have been served, and uh, looks like a door is no longer ajar. It's shut, and it's bolted tight and then a couple hours later I'm back in that same office and I'm preparing and I hear the laughter of our staff they're just down the uh, 50 yards away from me in the breezeway room celebrating the engagement uh, of Lily and Isaiah and their uh, their marriage uh, next month over in Alabama one of our ministers here and that's 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 us that's us in the room it's life itself we see you know one thing ends and there's the excitement of something uh, that's beginning and so instead of taking tips from kids for the full 30 minutes, I'd like us to, to hit our target, and that's found in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Philippians 2, that's where we'll be today. It says this, Paul wrote this to the church. Now, we'll, look, we're talking marriage, we're talking family, we're talking, uh, we're talking romance, we're talking dating, we're talking friendships, we're talking all kind of relationships today. And here's the thing, in your relationships, he says, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Don't miss this. The most important thing you can do in your life for your relationships is not just to be in church, but to have Christ Jesus in you. And this is our target. 
So if you're burned by love and you're keeping people at arm's length, and by the way, that's just not single people living alone. That's, that's married people as well. Uh, you could be married today. You could be a regular churchgoer, but you've been burned by something. You're afraid of intimacy and you're keeping your mate at arm's length. The goal for us, the target for us is this. It's in Christ Jesus and having him formed in us. Now, the word discipleship, do you have a concept of discipleship, what it is? It should be what the church is about. Go and make disciples. Um, go and make disciples. Discipleship is what we're about. But everybody is being discipled. You are being discipled. Whatever you consume is discipling you. Whatever you take in on a regular basis is discipling you. It's guiding your decisions. It's shaping your attitudes. It's forming your worldview and the very direction that your life will take. And we are being, cons- we're being discipled by our culture uh, in so many ways. And this series is about all of our relationships, every one of us having all of our relationships submitted to a discipleship process where you would desire to be formed and shaped in the image of Jesus Christ. So I'll say it again, the best thing you can do for you and your relationships, no matter where you are, is not just attend church, but to have Christ Jesus inside of you, formed in you. I want in these weeks ahead for us, instead of doing a thing like uh, we've done before, we talk about dating one day and marriage one day and parenting one day, et cetera, et cetera. We'll just kind of interweave it all, but I want this to form kind of the the foundation of where we go. For these five uh, weeks, I want to put before you the relationship attachment model, uh, RAM, if you will. And these five words are are really... um, form a biblical progression of all relationships. And these five realities, know, trust, rely, commit, and touch, they're, they're all, think of them as like levers on the soundboard. There's a few people, every worship service we have here at Fawner Church, there's a few people, a capable, competent, a wonderful people upstairs, and we don't notice the people at the soundboard unless something goes wrong, right? Then we all, you know, we turn and complain or something. They do a great job, and they know that on the board back there are these panels, these levels, if you will, and there's volume and reverb and treble and bass and such. And think of these like that. And so for all relationships, if you're single, think of it with your friends. If you're married, think about ways that you, the challenges that you're now facing, to, to look at them head on and then to tweak some things. And, and, but the goal is for, for these to be high. Any Spinal Tap fans, uh, up, 11, up to 11 is what we're talking about. Anybody okay? We had some vinyl people over here on, the, on my right at the 930 service. They're like, yeah, Spinal Tap. But uh, up to 11, we're talking about you want to raise these things. Married people, you want to grow closer to your mate. Uh, single people, in your friends, and maybe practicing one day for a spouse, you want these things to, to raise. Now, they're fluid they're fluid and they're interrelated. Let me give you one example. We could do several. Let me give you one example. A young couple gets married. They are happy and they are going through that honeymoon. And then she gets pregnant. And she has a baby. And those first few nights after they celebrate, there's that joy, that afterglow. And a couple of weeks in, those nights, she gets up to, in the middle of the night to take care of that baby. And he stays in bed praying for her. And it's okay, after, it's okay after a couple of nights, right? But then she understands that there's a pattern there. And what does she say? She says, I thought I knew him. He used to be so helpful. And this is the foundation of it, to know. And this is the progression of it. And I want to say this today, and I know that I'm invading some 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 spaces here, some tender spaces. And, uh, you know, a lot of times when we come to church and we 
uh, we think of God with romance and relationships, we think that he's going to pronounce judgment and shame on us. Can I say Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world? And that Jesus, Daniel read it and prayed over us. I don't know if you captured it, but Jesus, his first sermon was in Luke 4. He got a scroll and he read from Isaiah. He has come to set the prisoners free, to release the captives, to give sight to the blind so that people would be free. And I hope and pray that you will take a breath and let Jesus speak to you over these weeks. He's going to use a broken vessel to do it, an imperfect person. But you would let God, who loves you, speak to you and find yourself in this, in your relationships and find areas where you do need to grow. But here's a common mistake, and I'm going to say it. Again, I know the spaces I'm going into. But a great mistake that we make is we go here really fast. And in this drive-through love world we live in a hookup culture, because it feels good, we want to get here really fast in relationships. And we bring untold pain when we do. You see, God designed you in a way, and I know for a second, I'm going to sound like the the primitive backwood preacher, right? But just hear me for a second, because I see it played out. I don't have to have a Bible verse when I'm counseling with somebody. I see it played out every time, because when you go to to here too fast, and you don't really know somebody, and you don't know that you can trust and rely and commit on them, and you're here, it complicates your life. It doesn't make it better. And so God desired us in a way that we need this, Single or married, we need touch. He's designed this. And here, let me give you a heads up. I did this at the first service. We're going to walk. These are, our, these are our five weeks. And so we'll get here uh, five weeks from today. And we're going to talk about it. It's going to be PG-13. So we'll have all everybody, uh, parents, you do as you do. But we're going to encourage everyone 12 uh, and under. That little baby you're holding, channel will be fine. But everybody 12 and under, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have them down. Uh, stairs. We've got a great kids ministry. My wife has something to do with it. And, uh, but we'll talk about this. And look, what a gift from God. He's made you that way. And he created the first command, I, I, I preached it not long ago, was what? Be fruitful and multiply. We got almost 8 billion people on planet Earth. We, somebody's listening. But uh, we're going to talk about this. But it's not just that. It's flesh of flesh, bone of bone, uh, in the gift and the bounds of marriage, in those protective parameters uh, for us, for our world. But we're going to talk about what it means to be brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, to greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, we don't do that. We're not going to advocate for that. But we're going to talk about this. And look, all these are gifts to know to trust, to rely, to commit, to touch. These are, these are the way God's hardwired this into you. And like any gift that God gives, the enemy perverts it. We want you to be reformed to the image of Jesus, to Christ, Philippians 2. We want Christ to be formed in you, but the enemy wants to deform that in you. And he wants to give a cheap substitute. And man, we, we buy it hook, line, and sinker if we're not careful. Who is discipling you? I hope you'll let it be Jesus. I hope you'll listen uh, these weeks as we, as we walk through this. So friends, and fr- this is important in friendship development. It's important uh, in marriage as well. And listen to me, you've been married a while. You can grow in this. You can grow in this. You've been married a decade or two or more. Look, you can grow in this. And I hope you'll find what we talk about uh, today and the weeks ahead to be uh, super helpful in that regard. So know, trust, rely, commit, um, and touch. I know we've got some blocking and tackling today. Stay with me. Always, 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 always getting to know somebody is paramount before you grow with them. And some of you are in friendships where you're already early. You're relying on somebody that you don't really know. You've gotten too far here with trust and reliance. And it's like you don't really know them yet. So I want to give you a few, uh, three things today uh, that will help you. Because here's the question we're going to ask. 
Uh, this is your deepest need, by the way, to, to know and be known, to love and be loved. You, you really need to be known. And if you're, if you're hoodwinking people and living one way out of town and one way in town and one way publicly and one way privately, you might be getting away with it for a little while, for a little while, maybe for a little while longer, but not much longer. Luke 8, 17, you'll be found out. Jesus made that promise. It's true. But the deepest need we have is to know and to be really known and to, to let people in. But it's got to be people that we can trust, that we can rely on. And then that's the commitment. And that's the touch. That's the closeness of it. And our world deceives us. Young people, listen to me. You're not going to know. You're not going to have close intimacy with a bunch of people. It's going to be just with a few if you're blessed and if you, if, you, if you move toward that. So let me give you a few things that are going to help us. We're answering the question, how do you know and grow with someone? Married people in your marriages, single people in friendships. How do you know someone? The first is this, make the investment of time. More than a few times, a young couple has uh, come up to me and said, you know, we've only known each other for a few weeks, but we are gonna, we're going to spend the rest of our lives with each other. And I, I say to them, dirty dishes, dirty diapers, career struggles, financial fights, aging parents, rebellious teenagers, on and on at mortgage payments, all kind of pressures that just pile up. You don't, do you, I mean, do you really know each other? Do you really know each other? Are you ready to commit, um, to make a permanent commitment, to rely on someone that you hardly know? So how do you know someone in friendship and in marriage? If you've been married 15 years, this can still help you. Here's how you get to know someone and grow with them. A broad range of shared activity over time. A broad range of shared activity over time. There's a passage, oh, let me give you this reality. I don't know if you've ever heard of the 90-day rule, right? Remember, remember the question we're asking today that sets the foundation for this series in this relationship attachment model. Uh, we're asking the question, how do you know and grow with somebody? Well, make the investment of time. We get ahead of ourselves. There's a 90-day rule. Folks at Stanford uh, came up with this. About half of all dating attraction is significantly altered by some newly found characteristic within a three-month period. Can I get an amen from some of you people? that are older. What this means is about just a few months into the marriage, like, let me be literal with it, 89 days, woo, I like that, ooh, I like her, I like him, I'm, all this stuff is good, we're different, but I like it, it's hand in glove, it's good. And then day 90, you're a few months in, and all of a sudden you have a moment, you find out something about them, and it's like a, <sighs> you have that moment, right? And it happens in half the relationships, that's why time, that's why a broad range of shared activities over time will help you get to know somebody well. I love this passage. This is in the time of King David. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Single women, uh, we did this at 9.30. Um, uh, raise your hand if you're a single woman, if you don't mind identifying yourself as a single woman. Uh, fellas, look around, check them out. Um, there they are, single women. If you start dating a guy and your girlfriend, the first time you're dating a guy, it's a new guy, what do your girlfriends, what's the first question typically they ask you about the new guy you're dating? What does he do? Aren't I right? Single fellas in the house, raise your hand. Yep, 
Yeah, nobody's interested. Yeah, nobody. Uh, single fellas in the house. What, if you start dating a new girl that your friends, your guy friends hadn't met her yet, they don't know about her, they hadn't stalked her on Facebook, what, what's the first question they ask about your, your new lady friend after a first date or two? What does she look like? And that, friends, is us. What does he do? What does she look like? We look on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So how do we get to the heart? There's this passage, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 5. I love it, love it, love it. Let's go slow to, uh, let me read it and think about it. The purposes of a person's heart are deep. They're deep waters. But one who has insight draws them out. Even the person that seems shallow, even that person has something deep down in them. They're hiding it behind that macho bravado typically, but we all have a depth to us. We all have stuff under the surface. And if we're just going to spend our time going, what does she look like and what does he do and look at all the outward, because you know, you can check some of those boxes. Some of you know this, you can check the looks good, has a good job box, but they don't have what you need down, you know, they don't have it deep down, the deep waters. There's something there that's not going to connect deeply with you, but, a, but, but someone who's wise draws it out. And can I say, do this with your friendships. The, the key to relationships can be good questions and ask and listen and take time to hear those answers. If you're married, I want to say this one more time and probably again, you can still get to know each other. You can still get to know each other. She sat on the front row of the first service today, but Susan and I have known each other now for 27 years and I'm still learning about her. Anybody been married for a little while, you know what it's like, don't you? It, it, you know that you can com- finish each other's sentences. You know that you can, you know what the other person's thinking across the room. Uh, sometimes you show up at the breakfast table wearing the same gray sweatpants and green shirt, you know, and you, you know some of these things, but yet you're walking through the store at the mall, the furniture store, and, and she'll plop down in a chair and go, I like this chair. And I'll think, you do? I would not have guessed that you would like this chair. I didn't see that coming. This morning I felt dizzy at 5.30 a.m. I've never felt dizzy. I hadn't, hadn't in a while. It was a weird feeling. And I, I, Susan um, brings me coffee in bed on Sunday morning only, just once, just once a week. So she brings me my Sunday morning coffee. I think she's wanting to, you know, encourage the preacher. So she brings me my coffee, and, uh, and, and she brought it. I said, thank you. She was walking away in the morning darkness of our room. And I said, you ever, I said I'm dizzy. You ever get dizzy? She goes, oh, I get dizzy a lot. She just walked out of the room. <laughs> I'm like, I, 27 years I've known that woman. And I thought she loved me, and that was not the response. That's not how you get the preacher ready uh, for church. Well, that bugged me for 10 minutes. And I didn't share this in 930 because she was right there. But, uh, <laughs> but that bugged me for like 10 minutes. So I'm studying my sermon notes going, man, that's, that's not, that's, that's Susan? And uh, she walked back in the room, and she had some almonds and a bottle of water. And she goes, you could be dehydrated, or it could be low blood sugar. The almonds will help for that. The water will help for that. And I'm like, that's Susan right there. She went in the next room, got the Google out, and then brought me some, like, that's the Susan. But listen, after many, many years of marriage, there's still things that you can learn about the other. Do you know that life changes? What changes? Events, circumstances, seasons, you change, the other person changes. You think you don't change sometimes? You do change. We change, and life, every married couple, every married couple, there's a dynamic space between you, between you. It is not static, and you must manage that dynamic space. You must be responsive to the other person, and there are deep waters within them. Draw them out. 
draw them out, spend time. How do you get to know each other through a broad range of shared activities done over time in friendship and dating and even in marriage and even the people that have been married for a long time. Look what it also says in Philippians chapter 2. It says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. How can you be like-minded with someone if you don't know what's going on inside their mind? So take the time. To ask. A second thing I want to give you this morning, uh, by the way, when you're together, let me do this. When you're together, be together. This is your, uh, this is your family right here today, isn't it? Anybody, does this represent anybody? You're, you're together, you've taken time to be together, but everybody is behind a device. And probably even sadder to me is right here. And I could look at the 930 and just see some faces being convicted of some of my friends right here. Don't be this, don't be this person. We did a marriage conference not long ago, and the, the director of the camp um, had an idea, a practical idea for us, and he shot me an email ahead of time. He said, hey, we, I know you're going to talk about this subject, about being fully together, about being pu- fully present, about being there when you're with your loved ones. And uh, we, we have bags. We bought bags, got the name of our church on it, and we got these bags, and uh, you know, let's give it this challenge. I thought it was a great idea, and so we did it for the camp. We had everybody, when the, when the couples would go on a date, they would put their phones in a bag, and to put them at the door and they couldn't. You ever gone to a comedy club in a big city? Like they take your phones, you know that? They, I mean, some of y'all are like, <gasps> like that's like it's a constitutional right to have a phone. Like if you're going to go to the comedy club, you have to put your phone in the bag. Well, why don't we do that sometimes? I mean, are jokes more important than the intimacy of your relationships? So put your phone in a bag and that was the exercise. And this camp director emailed me back because we gave him a challenge to do this. Go back and do this with your family. Do it when you're on a date with your child. Do it when you're with your family. And the consensus on several people who responded, the camp director emailed me. He said, man, look, we've gotten good response from people that are now doing this. They've made it a part of their practice. And here's what I'll tell you. If you do it, if you do this with your mate or with your family, at first it will be weird and awkward. It'll be like a detox. It'll be weird and awkward, but then it'll be wonderful and awesome. And I'll make you that promise to put up your phones and be together, to really get to know people. Too often, I can't tell you how many times this happened. I'll be with someone, it's three of us behind me in my study. And we're talking about their marriage and talking about their marriage, offering them counsel. I will get them talking. And one of them will share a feeling. One of them will share something that they're feeling. And I can't tell you how many times the other one will say this. I had no idea you felt this way. How do we get there? How do we get past that? How do we really get to know each other? Well, the first is to make the investment of time. And the second thing, this is really Jesus-like, is to act, act on what you know. Jesus made a big deal of not just hearing the word, but doing something about it. His half-brother James would say that faith without works is dead. He would tell a story about two men who built uh, their lives, their, their built houses on um, on a surface and one built on a rock one built on the sand and the storms comes to both because I say this several times uh, when I preach but Jesus never says the goal of life is storm avoidance Jesus makes a very clear promise to everybody in the room every relationship every marriage every person you will have storms Jesus never made you a promise that you're not going to have storms but he says what are you building your house on and the difference in that parable in Matthew chapter 7 is the difference between the sand the difference between the rock is wisdom doing what doing something about what you hear 
If we're going to be people who can rely and commit, we're going to have to know people so that we can trust them and we have to see in their lives that they take, act, take action. Will you act on what you know to be true? So how do, we, how do we do this? When it comes to knowing each other, there's some really important things, I think, that are incumbent upon us. Um, Shanti Feldman is, uh, well, let me, let me say this first. For marriage... I want to enter that space. Um, the Bible, uh, thousands of years ago, gave wisdom that modern uh, psychology and social so, uh, science and so, socialism, socialism, look at me, uh, sociology and all are, are coming to understand that the differences and the foundational needs of men and women are different. And they've written books on this that are bestsellers. I've seen people on uh, Twitter foolishly challenge this idea, but I'm telling you, it's ingrained deep within us. The number one need that a man has is respect. And the number one need that a woman has is love. And look what Ephesians 5, I think this verse in the Bible says it as well as any other. However, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Shanti Feldman is a Harvard-trained statistician, and she uh, did a reputable um, survey several years back, and she asked men, would you rather be um, alone and unloved or disrespected and inadequate? Would you rather be alone and unloved or feeling disrespected and inadequate for the, for the rest of your life? And 78% of men chose, they said, I would rather be alone and unloved than disrespected and inadequate, feeling that way. And women, that surprises you, doesn't it? Because you would typically choose the opposite. Aretha Franklin sang this song uh, that we all know, Respect. She sang it, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. She sang it as well. There's been some knockoff versions, but it was Aretha Franklin who sang it. But guess what? A guy wrote it. Otis Redding wrote the song, Respect. He wrote it after a breakup with his girlfriend. And uh, Lauren, how does the lyrics go? R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. Apparently, uh, that girl didn't because the next hit song he wrote was Sitting on the Dock of a Bay. <laughs> but deep, deep within the heart of every man is to be respected. So, women, married wives, Respect your husband. And you may say, well, Robert, he does a lot of stupid things. And I would say, he might be a stupid man. I mean, he married you, which is one a good thing. He did a good thing, but then he, yeah, right. But then he, I mean, he does all this. Like, that was a good thing. He married you, but he, some of you are looking around to see if I'm okay, if people are actually leaving right now. Um, here's the thing. I want to give you a homework assignment, ladies, and men, I'm going to give you one after. But what, do this, women. Think of two or three things for real that you respect about your man. And then fill in the blank. Tell him, walk up to him this week, smile, and look him in the eyes and say, I respect you when you, and then fill in the blank. And then smile and walk away. And you may say, well, Robert, he, he knows I heard this sermon. Can I, look at me for a second. He's so insecure, he doesn't care. But he will grow. You may hear pots and pans clanging in the kitchen. He may cut the grass. He may wash and wax your car. Look, we have no, we, we have, she's not here. I'm pointing at her like she's here. But we have counseled with people through the years. And when they get the fundamentals of love and respect right, they tweak that. And they intentionally go toward each other. I'm telling you, it can be, it can be a game changer. 
So do that and show him that respect and get back with me and tell me what could happen because, ladies, that's where it's at with him. And men, I want to give you a homework assignment. I want you to show your wife love by showing her acceptance for who she is, where she is, right here and now. Show her that love. Publicly brag on her. Let her know that she's the number one priority for you. And by the way, real quick, I'll face the bullets later. But here's how God says it. And some of you love your kids more than you love your spouse. Look at me. Some of you love your kids more than you love your spouse. Here's how, here's God's intended order. God, put God here. Married people, put your spouse here. And then if you have kids, put them, put your kids on down here. And that's God's, that's his, look at me. That's God's intended order. And if you don't, if you don't, you'll live to regret it. You will. I promise you, you will. I don't know, I'm getting some pushback. I can see it on your faces right now. Men, let them know that you love them. In public, brag on her. Hold her hand when you go places. One guy said, I always hold my wife's hand everywhere we go. If I let go, she shops. Let her know, let her know that she is a priority for you. And look, I have one daughter and I have one wife. And I will tell you, because I've lived a while, there's not a woman, are you with me? There's not a woman in the world that wakes up thinking I am smart enough and pretty enough and everything enough and doggone it, everybody loves me. And I'm telling you, Guys, we have, listen to me, young husbands especially, we have an opportunity with our words, the words that we speak and our looks of love to empower them and love them. Men, one quick question for you. Would you want your current or future son-in-law to treat your daughter the way you treat your wife? Let's show them respect. So y'all go do that homework assignment. The 930 was shaking their heads like they're going to do it. And let's see what God does. Uh, the third thing I want to give you is know where your identity comes from. So make the investment of time. Act on what you know. And then lastly, know where your identity comes from. I'm going to show you a picture. And uh, you tell me what line is in my head right now. All right, think about it. I'll give you a second. This is easy. It's not show me the money. What line is in my head right now? Just say it out loud if you know it. You complete me. All right, let's go ahead. What line is in my head right now? You had me at hello. Yes. All right. But let's, uh, let's forget that because that, that's a pretty good line. You had me at hello. I kind of like that. Kenny Chesney wrote a song about it, and I was, that's one of my guilty pleasure songs. This line, you, uh, you complete me, um, sounds so good, but it has deceived so many people since Jerry Maguire, 1997. If two incomplete people get together, they make a complete mess. Ephesians 3, 19. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made, what say at church? You will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You see, you don't put that burden and that pressure on somebody. You got gaps, I got gaps. I'm quoting Sylvester Stallone and Rocky. You know, Adrian, yo, Adrian, she, she fills my gaps. Like that stuff is great for the movies and we do have gaps, but don't put the pressure on one other person to fill those gaps. They can't do it. They're not called to do it. 
They ought not to do it. And you're putting a crushing burden, a weight on your marriage that will not sustain itself. So Susan finds her completeness in Jesus Christ. Because the gospel speaks and gives her life and calls her out. And the gospel, Jesus gives me completeness in my life. And then we come together. Here's, here's a mystery. Five times in the Bible, we misunderstand this. Five times in the Bible, it says, it gives us a picture that two become one. And I tell people on their wedding day, a lot of times, Laura knows this. I'll tell them, you know, the Bible says two become one. And if you're not careful, you'll spend the rest of your life arguing over which one. But you see, you ever been to a wedding or have you done this where you light the unity candle? And that's kind of a cool experience, you know, at weddings. Uh, guys, you don't care, just check out. But, uh, you know, there's a unity candle, and there's a bride and groom, and they light the candle. He's got his candle, she's got a candle. They walk to the middle. Y'all with me? And they light the candle. And then it's a picture, I think, of John 17. It's a beautiful picture. I'm not against it. But, uh, but what they do is then they, they blow out their candle. And I'm, I, I, wanted to be, I might do this at my next wedding. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, don't, don't do that. Because why? why? You're not getting snuffed out. Like you're still an individual, you're still a person and you still matter and your opinions and preferences and taste and values and worldview have to link up with their opinions and preferences and taste and worldview and values. All those things need to come together and there's a meshing, there's a flesh of flesh and a bone of bone, but each person is still who they are. And the picture is there's a compatible, but you're very different. Anybody married a spouse that's very different from them and you think that's the reason for divorce? Listen, that's the reason to show the world the beauty of Christ. You're very different. And that's why God says male and female, he created them. Very different. And then we show the world the beautiful picture of the mystery and union of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to a watching world that needs to be known, that needs to trust and rely and commit and have meaningful relationship in an intimate, intimate way. As Lauren and the team make their way up, um, I want to I close with uh, us reading Philippians 2 uh, together um, aloud. In fact, you'll help me. We're only going to be a few more minutes. If you would stand with me as the team comes up and gets in place. And uh, we've read a couple of portions of Philippians 2. I want us to read it aloud together, if we can do that. Let's do. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I spoke to a group of men at River Hills on Friday, and it was some club. I, I shouldn't mention their name. They'll probably put a contract on my life. It was just a bunch of sarcastic men in a room, and they had a joke. They're like, self before service. That's their motto, self before service. Just a bunch of sarcastic. Look, but we can't live that way. That's funny for a lunch with men, but it, that's not the way we're called to live. And so I want to say it again. The best thing you can do for yourself in all the, your relationships and that primary relationship in your life, or that, listen to me, young people, that future primary relationship in your life, is not just to be in church, but to have Christ Jesus in you and allowing him to complete you. Pray with me as our ushers come forward. Father, uh, let the word be received as Daniel led us in a corporate uh, prayer uh, this morning after the second song. I pray that we would not just hear in these weeks, but we would act, that we would jot something down and take it with us and, and ask your spirit to activate uh, the work in our lives and that we would um, put feet to it. Lord, as we move ahead and talk about trust and 
reliance, commitment, and touch. Would you uh, touch us? Would you give a supernatural touch to us? And would you help us move toward health? And for those who are on the edge of hope, I pray that uh, you give them encouragement to come back and to engage. And there's a whole world out there that Lord is looking to us. Sometimes they don't even want to know if Christianity is factually true as much as they just want to look at us and say, does it work? Is there, are our relationships healthy? And Lord, I pray that you would give us health in our homes in our marriages and continue to teach us in Jesus we pray